new opportunities and new, uh, you know, paths to a new passion sometimes won't open up until you let something go. I had told myself at that period of time when I was still painting and not happy at the end, I was like, you know, I don't want to do commercial art. I don't want to wait tables anymore. I don't want to, you know, teach anymore. I had built all of these brick walls on either side of me that basically left me no alternative of what to do. So I kind of came to a point in my life where it was like, I was really distressed. I was very depressed. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And until I let go of some of those things, this whole other world couldn't open up. Hey, Feasters, and welcome to the third episode of Season 3 of Live in the Feast. Today, we've got an awesome show for you with Philip Van Dusen. Philip is a YouTuber with probably now over 125,000 subscribers, but he's more than just that. And I'm Jason. And if you're new to the show, Live in the Feast is a podcast for freelancers looking to build a profitable business and get recurring revenue so that they can live the life they design. If you aren't new to the show and enjoy what we do here, why don't you go onto iTunes and hit that subscribe button so you get notified as soon as an episode drops. Now, as I said, Philip is more than your average YouTuber. He's a world-renowned brand strategist, trained as a painter, and has designed the number one t-shirt that's been sold worldwide. Yep, I didn't know this either, and I've known Philip for a few years now. We both live in the New York area and met on many occasions. He's the owner of Verhal Brand Design, and we dive into where that name comes from. You'll learn, just as I did, how Philip thinks about careers as a web rather than a ladder and how he's navigated a very diverse and amazing career. He also shares with us some of his thoughts and how he's resolved some very tough times in his amazing life. So let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Feast, the premium online coaching and community designed for web developers, designers, marketers, and freelancers of all type wanting to specialize their business and build recurring revenue that's profitable and sustainable. Today's market is ever-changing and yesterday's advice won't cut it. Feast members get access to the roadmap and training library, which includes everything you need to niche down, build recurring revenue, and become that go-to respected person for your services. That together with monthly roundup calls, exclusive workshops, expert chit chats and our slack community you'll have everything you need to live the life of your own design if you're serious about not competing on price and having clients that respect you and your expertise then join feast head over to feastcourse.com today Hey, Feasters. Today's featured guest is Philip Van Dusen. Welcome, Philip. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, Philip has 20 plus years in strategic branding, graphic design, and product development. Uh, He is the founder of a strategic design and branding consultancy. He also has a very, very successful YouTube channel as well. Just past 100,000 subscribers, which to me is mind-boggling of my 23 subscribers. (laughs) So I'm sure we'll unpack that a little bit too. Um, Philip, 
obviously I did not do justice to that. Why don't you just tell us a little bit more about who you are and why you do what you do? Sure. I, um, I started off actually as a fine artist. I have a master's degree in painting of all things. And, uh, I started my career, um, teaching actually, um, at the college level, teaching drawing and teaching painting. And I did that for a number of years. And then, um, I was, uh, teaching at a school in the South of France and came back to the United States and moved to New York. And I put a bunch of my um, uh, designs on t-shirts and sold them around street fairs and walked to the entire island of Manhattan looking for stores that would sell my shirts. And uh, I kind of fell into the apparel industry through doing printmaking, essentially, when I was um, in France. And so anyway, so I've, uh, I've, I moved my way through a number of positions in the apparel industry um, and over time became a creative director and managing uh, teams of people. And so I've worked on both the corporate side um, in fashion retail as well as consumer packaged goods. And I've also uh, held a couple uh, senior creative roles at global branding agencies, so strategic design agencies. So I've kind of worked on both sides of the street. And as you said, I've been in this industry for, you know, 25 plus years and just in the last uh, couple of years have struck out on my own and started my own consultancy that's called Verhal Brand Design. Verhal is spelled with two A's. It's a Dutch word that means story. And because story is so important to branding and my family is Dutch, it just seemed like a, a, um, authentic thing to call it. And, um, so I've been doing doing that and bringing strategic branding to entrepreneurs and small to medium sized businesses for the last few years. That's awesome. I love that. I love hearing that that where the name comes from. Like, yeah, yeah I, it's like people ask me all the time, where's Res come from? And right. you know, I've, I've, I've shared it a few times. And in short, it was really just my video game handle when I was a kid. And- <laughs> And Great. at that at that time, you know, I was a sophomore in college or something like that. And you, know, you could make a website in the computer lab and all this and that. And people were buying domain names. And like, you know, at that point, I was like, I don't know what that I, I don't know. All right, I'll just make res.com. And yeah, <laughs> and it's, you know, people are like, how the heck did you get a five five letter domain name? And right. like this and that and all that. I'm like, ah, I got lucky and it was it was an idiotic thing and I'm just never gonna change it. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, that's where it comes from, you know. So it's 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 funny how how the origins of names come from. Yeah. Uh, um so I mean painting is I mean that's that's is that something that you still do to this day? Do you do this regularly still or I don't paint regularly. I do sketch um, because I do do hands-on design. So I, I, you know, I sketch ideas before um, before I go to the computer on them, and uh, I also draw recreationally. I guess you would say, and um, I'm planning on getting back to painting one of these days. But uh, it was, it, you know, it was a, a major turning point in my life when I moved from fine art to kind of uh, design in the business world. Um, I love painting. I love fi- the fine arts, but, uh, you know, design and strategy has been my life for a long time now. And I'm really passionate about that as well. 
Mm. Yeah. And, and for those that you obviously can't see Philip now, but he has that quintessential painter look too, the mustache and the goatee and stuff. And definitely go check out his YouTube channel as well. I mean, he's got tons of great content on there. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I don't know how you release it so often. Like yeah. I, I always get the notifications popping up. I'm like, oh, I got to watch Phil's thing. And then another day goes by and then another day goes by. I get another note. Oh, okay. So now I'm two behind. And before I know it, I'm like 10 or 20 behind. I'm like, oh, geez, I can't even keep up with this. But I mean, how, you know, we talked a little bit before, before the recording and mm-hmm. you're saying now that that, that has so accelerated or I guess, qualified more of your business now mm-hmm. than ever, than anything else at this point. Yeah. I, I like to say I'm kind of the poster child for con- the success of content marketing. Um, I started and when I went out on my own, first thing I did to kind of do start with self-promotion is to develop an email list, which most people should do if they haven't. And uh, so I develop, was developing an email list and started a newsletter. So I started a newsletter that's called Brand Muse. And if anyone wants to subscribe, they can go to my website, philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E, and sign up. And I share, uh, you know, an insight um, design and branding resources, uh, kind of specific readings, books, things of value to designers and entrepreneurs. And I did that uh, for a while as a self-promotional thing. I still do that. It comes out every two weeks. And after about a half a year of doing that, I decided to get into video and start to share what I know and have learned over my career um, on YouTube. And it's kind of a number of different approaches to it. One, I wanted to kind of capture everything I knew um, and have learned. I also wanted to share it with other people. I'm very much a teacher still at heart. And um, I also knew that it was, you know, content marketing. It was inbound marketing to uh, attract attention to me and my brand and my agency. And so I made the, you know, decision to release a video a week and uh, I did that for the first year and now I've done it for over um, two years and have over a hundred videos on YouTube. And I, I think I literally missed one week where I didn't post on Monday and uh, you know, YouTube um, uh, it uh, rewards you for consistency. So posting mm-hmm. on a very regular basis, um, YouTube will elevate you in organic search on YouTube and, um, and also your engagement with your channel. So whenever I receive a comment and I've received, you know, tens of thousands of comments, I have responded to every single comment that I've ever gotten. Wow. Um, even if it's just, uh, you know, thank you so much for watching this video and YouTube as well will, um, elevate you in search, the more you are engaged with your audience. And I also just like engaging with my audience because I like to find out what they like, what they don't like, what their problems are and how I can better you know, serve them. So YouTube, yeah, as you said, it, it's turned into a, you know, a success, a significant new business driver for me. Um, people see my videos, they can see, you know, I know what I talk, I'm talking about. I have a lot of experience and then they will then come to me for, you know, brand strategy or design or um, professional coaching. Oh, good. Yeah. I was, I was curious if you were making videos because I think a lot, what a lot of people do, I don't want to say wrong, but the, the, the wrong path, so to speak, of content marketing, they talk to peers 
more than they talk to clients, let's say. And I was definitely curious because, I mean, a lot of your videos are not just sharing just what you know about design and brand strategy and, and such, but I feel almost like I'll watch developer videos mm-hmm. to learn from them to, so that I can apply to my business, if, yeah. if that makes sense. And and I'm curious, is that what your audience and your client, is that what your client would be? I mean, are they designers mm-hmm. that would learn from your expertise in coaching or are they really looking for the brand, the brand strategy and such? It's kind of, there's an overlap. I think it's a perfect Venn diagram of entrepreneurs and business people and designers. Um, Designers need to learn business. They need to learn strategy. They need to understand the needs of their clients in order to deliver the best work for their clients. So educating designers on how to better understand strategy, how to better work with their clients, how to, um, you know, be more efficient in what they do, how to get more clients. Um, that helps them. And then the brand strategy piece of it that I share, um, and, you know, personal branding, marketing ideas, content marketing ideas serve the entrepreneurial uh, audience that I have. And all of those kind of business development um and, and, and business building methodologies also serve graphic designers because they are building their own businesses as well. So my audience is really pretty much split between graphic designers and business people or entrepreneurs who are looking to use um, design and brand strategy to benefit their businesses. And so that's really, that's really kind of the cornerstone of what I do is how do you use design and smart brand strategy to build a better business, get more customers and be more successful. And so, you know, my particular expertise in history is in being a designer and, you know, for a long period of time, managing large teams of designers. Um, So I know how to, you know, guide them through their careers and their growth and their growing pains. Um, And then also how to teach them to better work with clients and how to teach clients how to better understand and utilize what designers do for them to build their businesses. So it, it really is kind of an, an interlocking um, kind of uh, information that I share. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the, the common thread throughout all of that is the teaching. Yeah, I definitely come. I mean, I hear that a lot. I mean, I come across as a teacher because of, I don't know, maybe it's just my, it's my, unicorn mix of the right and the left brain or the fact that I was a teacher and I, you know, and I've presented to so many people throughout my entire career that I just come across as kind of a professorial type. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it works, works for me and it works for my audience. So that's, uh, that's fine. Yeah, no, that's great. So I love to ask and, and get a window into the stories behind people. Anybody that I've met, I mean, we've met in person and, you know, we're a part of, uh, you know, an entrepreneurial community called Youpreneur. Um, but what would you consider your defining moment in life so far? Mm. I mean, you thankfully gave me a heads up on this before asking me that because otherwise my jaw would just be on the ground. And, <laughs> uh, and, and that's, you know, obviously a really, really big question. I think, you know, there are perf- 
professional, you know, watershed moments. And there are also personal watershed moments, I think. Um, and the one that I see that kind of overlaps both of those is that, and this is something I think maybe some of your listeners could relate to is, you know, there are not all career paths are linear, right? We take jogs to the left, to the right. Um, I like to call it a career web rather than a career ladder because a web is much stronger than a ladder. Um, and all of the side jogs and decisions and changes we make in our careers that may not be linear, actually, if we utilize them, can make our career path stronger. And the one really big defining moment, I think, in my career was that Throughout my entire youth and up until the time through college, through grad school, I defined myself as a, as a fine artist, as a painter. Um, I, after I got my master's degree, I wanted to teach. I taught for a while. Um, I found it to be an incredibly uh, difficult uh, career to make a living in. And at the time when I was doing it, it was massively competitive. Um, and so the reality set in that it, this might not be the best career path. And so I continued painting, um, moved to New York, and then, as I said, started my own apparel company and then starting to work as a um, as a creative manager, a, a creative director uh, with other apparel companies. And at that period of time, I decided my paintings, you know, and I painted on a large scale in oil and it was like five by six foot canvases. And, you know, I had this huge studio set up in my loft. And there came a point where I realized I hadn't touched my fine artwork in seven months and it was just staring at me. And it was, it was, it kind of was, I felt like it was saying I was a failure when actually really what it was saying was that this is not your focus anymore. And so I made a decision at one point and it was, you know, I'll be honest with you, it was a very gut wrenching and um, difficult decision to make to literally unstretch every painting I'd ever done and roll it up and pack everything up in boxes. And I took it to New Jersey and stored it in my parents' attic. And I, I basically made the decision that painting wasn't serving me anymore. And I, I, the way I made it safe for myself to make this decision was I said, you know, at any point you can go and go get that stuff and start painting again if you want, when you feel like it's going to serve you. Um, but what I did, what that did for me is it kind of cleared the deck, so to speak, for me to embark on a new journey and learn new things. And this is right when the Macintosh had been this. I'm completely dating myself now. This is right when the Macintosh had come out. And so, you know, I rented a Mac from with <laughs> software on it, which was totally illegal to do at the time. And I started learning Photoshop and Illustrator and doing apparel graphics and doing some graphic design freelancing on the side. And I loved it. I mean, I just fell in love with doing computer graphics and learning the computer and learning these applications. And I was like a fish in water. I mean, it was just breathing. I was, I, I found great pleasure in like reading those 500 page Photoshop manuals <laughs> oh, at night. That's, that's like what I did. And, uh, and so I, by letting go of this one thing that, I had personally kind of defined my entire personality around my, for a long period of time in my life by giving that up and moving on to something new. I found an entirely new passion and something that eventually, um, you know, formed a, a very long, successful and lucrative career, um, for me in the, in the commercial art world. Um, so for me, that was a really, that was a, a, a watershed moment in my, in my life because it really set me up for the next 
you know, 25 years of my career. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I can only imagine what that, that process of pulling the paintings off the wall, so to speak, and, and, mm-hmm. and packing them away, especially if that's, that was what you were all about. Right. And yeah. to, to have the wherewithal to say like, this isn't serving me at, at this present time. Um, you know, I, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's a grown up moment, right? Like you're being an adult, an adult there because you're, even though that those things were tied to you and how you right. grew up as a man, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Through college and such, um, you were like, okay, this just isn't working anymore. And I'm going to push this yeah. aside for now and then move forward in this new direction and, and see where it takes me. And I think it's the hardest for creatives, you know, like you and, and me and other and fine artists, actors, you know, um, people who do film, um, because when we're coming through school, we're told you're an artist, this is who you are. And if you ever stop doing it, you never were. And so to a certain extent, you feel like if you were changing paths that it's, uh, that you don't have somehow permission to do it and making that shift was like giving up my entire personality. And that was a very difficult thing to adjust to. And so making that choice and and I, then I had to realize I basically had to teach myself that, you know, making this massive change in my life and taking a new path that I was very passionate about was not who I was, you know, I was not a painter that was no longer a painter. I was just a painter who now found a new passion in design. And I was putting my creativity and my passion into a new medium Mm. Um, rather than not being an artist because I put my paintbrush down. Um, So I think that, you know, the lesson for me and the lesson for other people and the listeners is that, you know, you new opportunities and new, uh, you know, paths to a new passion sometimes won't open up until you let something go. You know, I, I had told myself at that period of time when I was still painting and not happy at the end, I was like, you know, I don't want to do commercial art. I don't want to wait tables anymore. I don't want to, you know, teach anymore. I had built all of these brick walls on either side of me that basically left me no alternative of what to do. So I kind of came to a point in my life where it was like, I was really distressed. I was very depressed. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And until I let go of some of those things, this whole other world couldn't open up. And as soon as I did, it did open up and it's made, you know, it's given me an absolutely incredible life. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've, <laughs> as a developer and I always will call myself a developer, right? Just because I feel that I, for one, that's my passion. I love creating something that's abstract in somebody's mind and being able to turn that into something that's tactful on, on, on a screen essentially. Um, but you know, what I do with my clients, a lot of development is maybe only 35 to 50% of what I do. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of chiseled the development aspect of my business down to that. And other developers ask me all the time. They're like, well, you know, like, but you're in WordPress. I go, yeah. 
And that was a tool that I used. I was also, before WordPress, I did Ruby on Rails. And before Ruby on Rails, I did Java. I mean, it, you know, like it's, it's what the tool of the time that you're solving the problems with, right? Like whether it's your clients or your, your own or whatever the problems that you're solving. And, you know, people are like, yeah, but I love Ruby on Rails development. I'll always be a Ruby on Rails developer. That's okay. That's, that's fine. That, Until you're not. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Until somebody tells you that you're not. And, uh, you know, and, and it's, you know, some of my coaching clients, you know, they, 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 sometimes I get pushback. They're like, but you know, WordPress is terrible, right? That like, I can't do what I need to do inside of WordPress and such. And, I'm like, okay, that's fine. You don't have to take me as a WordPress developer. I'm actually trying to, you know, help you, you know, specialize your business, build recurring revenue and put the processes in place to build those things. And for me, WordPress worked for you. It could be Ruby on Rails for you. It could be, you know, design for you. It could be writing, right? And, you know, it's just, that's the tool aspect. And I think a lot of people get, you know, unfortunately hung up on that aspect that they've identified so heartedly at that. And that's becomes an albatross. It, it eliminate, you know, it, it's a limiting thing. Exactly. That they hold on to. And, you know, it's, that's, it's, you know, it's a struggle, right? Like that's a real struggle. But I think your point is well taken that it's, you know, it's, to certain this, I mean, this is kind of uh, you know uh, bombastic to say, but it's kind of dangerous to to define yourself by your tool, because the tools in today's society, anyway, change every five seconds. So your ability to, I think, it's better to identify with that underlying creativity or underlying passion of you know, um, you know, I engineer things, and whether that's I engineer a website or I engineer a design or I engineer a brand, you know, um, rather than I am, you know, the Photoshop expert or I'm a Premiere Pro expert or whatever it is, that there's a certain amount of, um, you kind of have to back up from the tool and say, what is the underlying motivation? And that's what you are. Mm, yeah. And, and you know, that, that, that goes along with, on the flip side of it is, is as a freelancer, business owner, solopreneur, or even agency owner, you have to figure that out for your clients, right? I talk a lot about clients' wants versus needs, right? Sometimes they come to me and they say, well, I want a new redesign. Okay. Well, whether you want one and need one, well, let's figure that out, right? And, you know, and I'm pretty straightforward with them, you know, and, and I say that and they're like, well, what do you mean want and need? I said, well, what's the problem? Why do you think you need a redesign? Is there, and you kind of just unpack that with them. And then you come to find out that they're just not getting their sales through their website. Well, then that could be a, a smaller problem on the web design side and a bigger mm -hmm. problem on, on either your sales team side or just how is the site working? You know, like these other things, right? Like those are the needs. We need to fix those things. So, you know, it's just same thing. Like don't get hung up on the tool. Right. And I always, right. I, I, one of you, we talked about, you said mantra, right? Earlier on. And one of my mantras is, is let the business define technology, not the other way around. Right. And that, that to me has been something that I've, I've learned early on because of that thing. Like I knew that, well, 
I learned HTML back when it was tables, right? Like, and you use things like front page and Dreamweaver to build websites and home site and all of these archaic things that were tools that folks lived by. Like I'm a Dreamweaver developer or I'm a front page developer and, and nobody uses those things anymore. That's not even right. how you make a website anymore. So it's like, you know, I, I would say like, let business drive the technology, not the other way around. Let's figure out what the business is and move forward from there. And to your point about, you know, uh, solving the problem. I mean, I always like to talk about, you know, being in branding and design as being a, a detective. Um, you know, as you said, a client could come to you and say, I need a new website. But then if you dig down and do some discovery and ask the questions, you know, what they're looking for is more, you know, maybe what they really want is more Facebook likes or they want more, you know, uh, sales through a certain page of their website. And so what they might not need is a whole new website. Might They might need just new copy on their website. They might need, you know, new consumer centric communication. They might need a better content marketing plan um, that's going to drive them to a site that's working. They're just not getting the traffic. So looking and trying to work with the client to discover what the underlying problem is, is sometimes, you know, the hardest part really of working with clients is you have to kind of dig into what the end result is that they're looking for. And then you have to be able to under how to parse what the solution is. And that's kind of, uh, you know, that's where we come in. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's so that's great. So the, the putting of the paintings away and, yeah. and that point in time in the, in the mm -hmm. timeline was, I guess, essentially a low point, right? For you, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was well, a struggle. It was, you know, you, you mentioned that you were essentially depressed from, from everything. What, what would you consider your highest point in your career? I think it was probably sitting on a Learjet flying to Milan to go shopping for work. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, I, I worked, you know, I worked my way up through a number of t-shirt licensing and t-shirt companies and eventually landed at a, you know, a large, uh, global fashion retailer and became a vice president of design, I oversaw five divisions of people, over 65 people in design and textile design and, um, graphic design and packaging across a number of divisions in this company. And part of my job was to go trend shopping. And so I went to Tokyo, I went to Berlin, I went to Milan, I went to London um, quarterly to shop for trend and to discover trend for our product lines. And one of, you know, I guess the Learjet thing is, is it, it's a great story, but the reason it came about wasn't so great, which was 9-11, which is 9-11 happened about a week before we were due to go to Europe to go shopping. And as everyone knows, that massively disrupted air travel for a long period of time. And so in order to get there, I mean, you know, the collection's got to come out. So in order to get there, we used the corporate jet and flew, you know, to around to a lot of cities in Europe uh, to go shopping. And, you know, that was, you know, it was living the jet lifestyle. You know, it was, it was, it was nice work. And if you can get it, I'll put it that way. You know, so I've, and I think, you know, working at that company and uh, having so many people on my team and uh, doing work that was all over the place. I mean, the work that we did, you know, I, 
I designed the the largest selling T-shirt in history, which was the Old Navy flag tee, which has oh, wow. sold more wow. than 250 million T-shirts. Um, we figured out we had to buy cotton futures in order to make that shirt because there wasn't enough cotton. We had to buy the fields of cotton to make the fabric to make those shirts. Um, and we would sell, you know, one year we sold enough that the 2% of the United States population had bought one. So it was, you know, and everywhere you went, it was on people's chests. So I loved the fact that I could fly to Tokyo and walk around the streets of Tokyo going shopping for work and see a number of the designs of my team and mine walking around on people's chests. Um, that was a high point. When you really see your work out there and manifesting itself in the world, um, it's really, really exciting. I mean, I never get tired of that. I never get tired of like going into a store and seeing, you know, a package I designed on the shelf. It's just I get giddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. I can only imagine. I mean, you know, I've seen some sites that I've worked on, you know, because I've worked on PGA, Gander Mountain, Canon, some some crucial yeah, elements of those brands. Sure. And, you know, once in a while, I'll catch it in the wild, whether it's on a commercial or, you know, I'll see somebody using it. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I designed the back end of that. Or, you know, I, what you're clicking to log into, yeah, that's me. And it's, it's yeah. just like a little fun little, hey, that's a great endorphin, you know, like endorphin rush, you know, like just mm -hmm. feel that. And yeah, so I can only imagine 2% of the world had that T-shirt. I can't believe that. That's that's crazy. That's awesome. And I, well, and I know the Learjet story was a little full of hubris, but really I think what the highlight of my career was, was, over the long term, helping other designers advance in their careers. Um, you know, I worked really hard and learned a lot of new stuff through my career to get to where I was. And, you know, I've hired hundreds of designers and interviewed probably thousands of designers and helped them grow in their careers, get better as designers, get better as business people, get better at, as, you know, at, at navigating the matrixed environments of corporations and design agencies and to learn and grow and um, get promoted and make more money and be happier in their careers. That to me is a, um, that to me is probably, you know, what I would call the pinnacle of my career. The fact of that I've helped so many people and that's what I continue to do with my YouTube channel. You know, I really like um, helping uh, businesses and people, you know, advance. Hmm. So, so this has been awesome uh, just to get, even catch up. And I mean, like, like we've met in person and I, you know, I, I didn't even know about that, the whole rolling up the painting and like that pivotal point. And so that's, I never told that story on a podcast. This is awesome. the only podcast that's ever been told on. So you get exclusive rights. To that nice. story. <laughs> I like it. I love it. Uh, so what's next before I let you go? Like what, what, plans do you have for the YouTube channel or, you know, what, what's next for, for you and your agency? Yeah. What's, what's next is, I mean, I'm continuing to grow my agency and, uh, you know, so if there are any clients out there who'd like to work with me, please, you know, give me a rank through my website. Um, and I'm going to take my, um, my, uh, teaching my you know, the the uh, the help that I'm giving people in YouTube to another level I'm going to be developing um, a webinar um, that's a paid for video course in branding um, hopefully a series of those over time so uh, developing some um, training products is really my next step 
on the tail end of that, I have a book in the works. Um, so a book will be quickly on the tail of that. Um, and, you know, continuing to, to grow and to learn new things and to try new things. I mean, that's what I love about, uh, you know, the speed and movement of, of the, you know, design and branding world now is that things change and morph so quickly, keeping up with it all and staying current, staying on trend is, uh, is, you know, a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. And, uh, so that's what's next for me, next for me to develop some, some products and, and, uh, you know, that are evergreen that can work for me when I'm not working, um, is kind of the next goal. Awesome. So thanks again for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. It's it's been a lot of fun. And so where can folks reach out to you aside from your YouTube channel? I know you mentioned your newsletter. Is that where people would find out about all these ongoing things as well? Yes, that's the place. Um, the best place to f- is to subscribe to my newsletter. And as I said, it's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E, and you can subscribe. Um, and uh, everything that I do basically comes out on that in one way or another or is, you know, announced on that one way or another. Um, and please subscribe to my news to, uh, YouTube channel. If anyone wants to see my work or read a little bit more about my history or see the clients I've worked with um, or, you know, the methodology that I use or engage me as a consultant, go to my website. It's all there. PhilipVanDusen.com. Awesome. And I'll put all of these in the show notes, obviously. And again, thanks, Philip, for being here and everybody else. It's your time to live in the feast. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, then head on over to liveinthefeast.com and subscribe. Leave Philip and I a five-star rating or review in iTunes as it's going to help others find this episode too. Next week, I'll be back with Paul Jarvis. Yes, the one and only Paul Jarvis talking about his freelance life and how he's pivoted his business to shape his lifestyle. Until then, it's your time to live in the feast. Live in the feast.